Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much uh, for today, and uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that we can gather around the truth of the gospel uh, that which we have sung, uh, which we have um, reflected upon. And in the midst of uh, whatever is happening in us and around us, uh, that we have the truth of the gospel. We have the hope that um, only comes from the fact that your son has come and lived and died and rose from the dead as we have sung. And Lord, may that be in the midst of whatever is on our heart today enough as we sing. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today, that you would lead us uh, through your word. Uh, would you take just a moment uh, where you're seated to ask the Lord to speak to you from his word today? Lord, we know you speak. You reveal yourself to us through your word. May we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is uh, good to be together. As Kyle said, we're uh, so uh, grateful you're here. And it's great. It's just a great opportunity to worship the Lord. Um, as Clayton said earlier, no matter what's happening, um, we reflect on the truth of the gospel and who Jesus is. And so it's good to, to be uh, with you guys today. Uh, we are nearing the end of uh, the book of Romans. We've been studying this book for a while. If you're newer to our church, we, for the most part, study books of the Bible and walk them through. And we've been walking through the book of Romans now for a number of months. And as we're getting to the end of the book of Romans, we're getting to the, the part that's a little bit more personal, uh, you know, because yes, Romans, as we have looked at so many times, is this theological, just amazing book that, especially at the time, established really the theology for the church, the doctrine of the gospel. And if we've walked through it, we've seen the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of righteousness and the fact that we are unrighteous and yet a righteous God has made a way for us to have salvation through his son, Jesus. And, and so we've seen this throughout the book of Romans. But Sometimes we forget when we're in the middle of it that it's also a letter. It's a letter, and every letter has an author and it has a recipient. As the author is Paul, and the recipient is the church at Rome. And I think what we sometimes have a tendency to do, especially kind of near the end of a book like this, is we kind of sort of skim through it. Like, okay, Paul's going to greet some people. He's going to tell us where he's going. He's going to tell us about some place that we've never heard of, and we don't know how to pronounce. A lyric come, I guess. Uh, you know, but we, and we kind of just blaze through it. But I think sometimes we, we miss something uh, when we do that. We miss the, the heart of the author who's writing to a specific recipient at the time. It would be like me reading the, the letters that my grandfather wrote when he was uh, in World War II for three years to his wife and his newborn child who he had not met. It would be like me reading those letters to try to figure out what's happening in the war, which would, could be interesting, um, and just skipping the personal parts. And missing the heart of my grandfather who's longing to be home, longing to meet his daughter, longing to, to be with his wife. And we miss the heart of it. And that's what I want us to see today because as we're coming near to the end, Paul begins to turn to himself. He turns to himself and his heart and his ministry as a way of, of helping the, the church at Rome not only both hear what he has said, because he says, I, I'm writing some things to you, but I'm, the reason I'm writing them to you is because of the calling on his life. 
And as a reminder, Paul has not met these guys yet. He has not been to Rome yet. And so when Paul is writing this letter, he, he's talking to people he has not yet met. In fact, if we remember all the way back to, to Romans 1, uh, verse 1, uh, this is how Paul introduces himself. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So as we, a reminder that this is the author. He identifies himself as a servant, or the, the actual word is slave. Servant of God. In fact, this is the primary way that Paul described himself. As a servant, has one who has a new master, Jesus Christ. And he serves him with his entire life. And, and they would have known Paul. Remember, Paul was Saul of Tarsus from the Greek city. But he was a Jew and he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was one, he would be kind of like today, the, the most scholarly advanced person in, in the religion of Judaism. And so he was up and coming. He was going to be the next star. Not only that, he was persecuting people who were against Judaism. And yet something happened. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, he's giving a thumbs up to the stoning of Stephen because they're persecuting this new way, these Christians. And in Acts chapter 9, and the story goes, as if you've read, if you remember, he, he meets Jesus. He literally falls down. He's blind. Everything about his life changes. And at that point, not only does his identification change, not only does he come from being Jew of Jew, Hebrew of Hebrew, but he becomes a servant of Christ, but he also gets a commission. He gets a mission. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, we're told that Paul, God tells Paul, you will now be the minister to the Gentiles. He is a Jew, but to all the people who are not Jew. You will share the gospel. You will share the good news of Jesus. And so Paul has this interruption to his life and everything changes. And so he says, I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm a slave to Jesus. He's my master. And my occupation, as he says, is to be an apostle. An apostle is a sent one. One who is sent, as we know from Acts 9, to to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And then he uses this phrase, and I love this phrase. He says, he's set apart for the gospel of God. And if you've been with us at all in the last nine months, we've just seen Paul's passion for the gospel, for the truth of who Jesus is and how it changes everything about us. And he says, I've been set apart to share the gospel with everyone I come in contact with. And so this is Paul. And as he continues on, he is uh, introducing himself in Romans 1, but at the end, he's talking about why is he saying these things? And, And so part of this reading that Ryan read, Verse 15, kind of the, he says, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, but notice what he says. Because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So what is he saying here? Now, again, if we're using Paul, we're we're not just rushing through this, but using Paul as as an example to us, I want to make a couple of observations in this. Paul is describing this, and he starts by just simply saying, because of the grace given to him. I mean, he has a radical transformation, right? One chapter, he's persecuting Christians. The next chapter, he's on his face, blind, worshiping God and saying, now my entire life has changed. He has this radical conversion, this grace-given conversion. He did not deserve it. But with that conversion came a a grace-given commission. His ministry was to the Gentiles. He's told right then, 
that he will be the one who will share the gospel to the Gentiles. And, and so he uses, but what he says in this passage, he says he has a grace-given commission to be a, a minister. That word minister, the, it's this uh, idea of sort of a public servant, of someone who has a ministry. And, and that ministry that he has, he's a servant of it. He's a minister of that ministry, and again, to the Gentiles. And so he has a grace-given commission. Paul is acutely aware that without the grace of God, he would not do any of this. He would have nothing. Not only would he not have his life, not only would he not be identified as a servant of Christ, but he would not have this ministry that God has called him to. But secondly, he uses this interesting phrase. He says he has a priestly service. Now, when we think about priests, what do priests do? Priests take people to God. That, that's the role. There's a bridge between people and God. They're often a mediator uh, between man and God. And so this priestly service here is helping those who know nothing about God come to faith in him. There's also another element to this priestly service. It's helping those who know God to become more like Jesus. He uses this phrase, sanctified in the Holy Spirit, this growing up in holiness, this uh, this mediator, if you will, this priest, it, it's like a, a conduit of spiritual maturity. It's bringing people who know nothing about God to God. And it's bringing people who do know God more towards maturity. And so that's how Paul describes his ministry. It's grace given. It, he did nothing to deserve it. But it's a priestly service. But I want us to notice what else he does here. And, and I, I love this. Verse 17. He says, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And so what does Paul do? He boasts. Wow, you're not supposed to boast. He's proud of his work. What is he boasting in? He's boasting in God's accomplishments. And in fact, at the end of this book, he just says, I just want to give God glory for all that God is doing. He's proud, again, of what he sees God doing in his ministry. Everywhere he goes, he's seeing churches being planted and people coming to faith, and it's expanding across the, the, the ancient world. People are coming to faith, and people are growing in maturity uh, through the word. Through, through deeds, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is using signs and wonders to bring people to faith and to grow them in maturity. God is showing up all over the place. And Paul says, I want to glorify God for that. Each week as a staff, we, um, when we have our staff meeting, we start our staff meeting like this. We say, um, I want to say have three things. One thing to celebrate, one thing uh, that you're working on that everyone needs to know about, and one thing to pray for. And then we pray for the needs that you guys uh, either turn in or that we know about and pray for our church. And it's, a, it's one of my favorite times of, of the week. But we start with this idea of celebration because we want to honor God for what he's doing in our church. And sometimes, you know, we may not know, oh, God did something in children's ministry this week where a, a kid came to faith or, or a, 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 stu a student asked a question that was so profound and it helped these students begin to learn more and more how to follow Jesus. That's what we want to hear. And we want to celebrate that and worship God for that. Um, and so today I, I want us to, um, to celebrate a little. I, I want us to boast in God 
and what God is doing through the lives of people in our church. And we were just talking as a staff about different ideas, and we had lots of different ideas. In fact, um, some of my favorite stories that were shared were um, by some of the um, high schoolers and the middle schoolers and the kids, things that are happening in there. Um, But a couple of things came about, and I want to invite EJ and Susan to come up, if y'all will. Um, And I want to invite these guys to come up and share a little bit about um, just to boast in what God's doing. Uh, through them. They, it's all grace given. They did nothing to deserve it, but God has given it to them an, an opportunity to serve and to use their gifts uh, for the sake of the gospel. And so uh, EJ, if you would step up here, and uh, EJ has been serving with Northwest Community Center, which is one of our partners uh, that we have had uh, this last couple of years. And uh, it is a as a ministry to refugees um, in Vickery Meadow, right here in this neighborhood. And so serving primarily Muslims from Muslim background um, and with youth, but also with uh, the men's conversation hour opportunities to have these kinds of conversations. So EJ, uh, share with us a little bit. Let's boast in God about what he's doing in you and and through you. Good morning, everybody. I just wanted to uh, read a quick passage that I was reflecting on as I prepared to share this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 5. It's verses 14 through 16, and it's Jesus' address of the Sermon on the Mount where he's speaking to a mixed multitude of people, but primarily Jews. And this is what he says. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And after reflecting on that passage, I realized that the Jewish people were given an abundance of grace. They were given the prophets, the law, and ultimately the Messiah coming through their line. And as I reflected on that a little bit more, I realized that I too have been given an abundance of grace in my own life. And as Pastor Jeff was saying, these are not things that I boast in, that I'm proud about, but yet there's still things that I boast because of Christ's faithfulness to me. I've been raised in a Christian home, I've had the opportunity to go to church for most of my life, being ministered, counseled to by pastors and other people that I trust. And I realized that that is an abundance of grace. And through that abundance, I realized that um, through the compulsion of the love of Christ, I want to share that with others. And so just having the opportunity, and you know, as Pastor Jeff said, in Vickery Meadows, in our own backyard, being able to interact, develop relationships with both students, but also men from around the world who come from a Muslim background, who think they know Jesus, but as we know, it's a lot different who he truly is. And so just having the opportunity to minister to them in that way and share the love of God, the grace of Christ with them. And just kind of a a funny story, speaking to serving, it can be daunting, it can be quite scary, especially for me. You don't know what's gonna happen, what the relationships, the conversations are gonna be like. There's even things that you can't really take into account, like thick accents. And so, believe it or not, they have incredible English, even though they've only been here for a couple months, sometimes only weeks. And so, there was a time where we were sitting around the table talking with the men, and he was explaining to me what he did in Afghanistan. And he said that he was a lawyer. And so I asked him, okay, what are you a lawyer in? And I thought he said anti-tourism lawyer. (laughs) And I thought, what is an anti-tourism? Where could you possibly work? And uh, as he kept talking about it, um, I realized he said anti-terrorism oh. lawyer. I thought, wow, that's, that's really interesting. And so just individual stories like that of you know, having an opportunity to share who Christ is and learn about their culture, their background, and things like that. So I'm very thankful to the Northwest Community Center as well as Hayden for giving me the opportunity to minister in that way.
That's awesome, EJ. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and um, so as we think about this priestly service, one of the priestly services to those who may be far from God, who don't know God, as EJ was sharing, uh, but also the other side of that priestly service is uh, growing up in sanctification. And so within the context of our church or with our family or with people who may know the Lord, how are we conduits to that maturity? And so Susan's been teaching uh, fourth and fifth grade this last year. And so Susan, come share us with us. Yeah, both I volunteer God. here. And several years ago, my grandkids were visiting from Houston, and I was sitting on the couch reading Dr. Seuss to them, and my grandson, who was five at the time, just looked up at me and said, you should teach Sunday school. <laughs> so I was like, that's so adorable. But it's also, <laughs> you know, if you're open to it, serving, I found this throughout my life, that God will always, even if you feel uncertainty, he will give you direction, and he will put you in a situation that you really enjoy. So I uh, work with Nathan Seal. He does the teaching most of the time. He is a dad of one of the fourth and fifth graders and also an elder here. And then I do the crafts, which I love glitter and construction paper and all that stuff. So it's really fun. And then I also do activities. And the first time I did an activity, it was about how God created the animals. And I made the mistake of bringing photos of puppies. And the uh, lesson never got off the top of the puppies. So it was fun. But we also cover really serious things and actually theology. We cover what is sin, what is the law, who is Jesus, how to pray. And I think that's so wonderful that the kids are learning this and asking questions because I didn't really do that till I was 19 years old. I didn't have that opportunity. So um, they have a really great curriculum. And I also wanted to say that White Rock Fellowship, I'm very impressed with how the parents and grandparents are pouring themselves into the kids. And it's not just like baby dedication, that's it. I mean, you can tell that people are really um, raising their families. And I am very excited about what God is doing and also the uh, building program that's going to be for the kids because we need, um, it's necessary. So to, to invest in the future, future generations, it talks about that a lot in the Psalms, future generations. I will proclaim your word to future generations. So anyway, I'm excited and uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, EJ. Let's thank them for sharing. That's awesome. So if you want to get your kids to talk to your grandparents and say, hey, you should serve and kids. Yeah, I love it. Uh, thank you all for sharing. And, and, um, and, you know, I think as you heard in, in their hearts coming out, God has given them grace. And out of that abundance of what God has given them, they long to serve. Um, and just like Paul, who was given a conversion and a commission at the same time, I believe we all are. We're all given this calling to, to serve, to use our gifts in the context of the church. And I, I think sometimes we go, oh man, that's so cool, EJ and Susan, like they can do that, they're awesome, I'm unqualified, or I can't do that. Um, and I, and I want to just notice something that Paul said, uh, it, we kind of skipped it, but it's verse 14. He commends them on something. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And, and I, I think about that because in the context of what he's saying here, he's talking about who he is and his calling, but he commends them on this growth that they have. 
And this calling, in some ways, this is a helpful text for us just to think through even, what are we pursuing? That we're growing in goodness, that we're, that we're growing in the fruit of the Spirit, that as we trust the Lord, as we follow Him, this is what happens in us. That God grows these uh, attributes of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and, and on and on, that, that becomes, that, that's growing in us where we've never, we're never arrived but it's growing in us. And secondly, he says, they're growing in knowledge. Again, he doesn't say you know everything. He just wrote an entire book about what you need to know. But this idea that we're growing, that we're continuing down the path of of reading the scriptures and understanding who he is and what is the truth of the gospel. And this third, he says, you're competent to instruct or lead others. That word instruct can mean this idea of teaching, but it also can have this idea of of warning or or of just holding people accountable towards following Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stand up front and teach. There's an opportunity. And so as we're growing as disciples, we're growing in, in goodness, we're, we're in learning more knowledge, and we are, uh, we're competent to instruct and encourage others as we grow. It, it, there's something about all of us. If we're a believer in Jesus, I believe God is calling us and inviting us to, yes, receive the gospel, but also to engage and to serve in the areas where God wants us to serve. And it may be uh, this very specific commission that you know the Lord has put on your heart. Maybe it's a, it's a passion that God has put on your heart for a long time, or, or maybe it's a, it's a hurt and experience that you've had that you want to invest in others and share. Uh, maybe it's, it's planning to go with the church plant with, with Jared and Abby as they leave uh, to plant in the fall. Uh, this idea of let's go, let's go and um, be a part of this new church that is happening. Uh, that all of us are given a grace-given commission to make disciples, to be witnesses uh, where God has placed us. But also this priestly service. And again, we think of priestly service as like the person who wears the collar and and looks a certain thing. But I think this priestly service uh, is this idea of of bringing people to God. That can look like a lot of things. But I think simply put, uh, in, in the midst of what's happening around us, are we bringing people to God? Whether that's at your workplace or in your neighborhood. Uh, and oftentimes these things, um, these things happen sort of at inflection points. Maybe it's a, a, a really moment of great celebration with a neighbor or a friend or a coworker. Or maybe it's a rite of passage where there's an opportunity to, to say, how do I encourage you to see the Lord in this? But oftentimes it's also in moments of pain and loss. Things like trying to navigate with friends and neighbors and coworkers what happened yesterday in Allen. As Clayton shared, it, it, as we ponder that, uh, in the midst of that great pain and loss, we, we have an opportunity to bring people to God, to grieve as we all grieve, but not to grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve with hope because of what the gospel has done for us. And so I think a helpful question for us, in the midst of what Paul is saying here at the end of this passage as he describes his ministry is to intentionally and prayerfully ask the Lord, where, where are you leading me? Where are you leading me to, to serve? And, and it's not always necessarily leaving where you are. In fact, oftentimes it's right where you are, where God has you to bring God into the situations, whether that's, again, like I said, in your neighborhood at work, with friends, with your family, there's a, there's a priestly service, an invitation to, I think, intentionally do this. This won't happen passively. 
We can't just, oh, well, it'll probably happen. There's an intentionality that, Paul, that we see in Paul that I think we are invited into as we follow him as our model. So that we might be, as Paul introduced himself, that we could introduce ourselves the same. It's primarily, first and foremost, we are a servant of Christ. We're a servant of Christ. He's our master. We, we are sent by God into the places where he has us. And we are set apart. We are about the gospel of Jesus first and foremost, wherever God has put us. This mission, it's a grace-given mission. We don't do anything, but yet he gives it to us and it's a priestly service so that we can boast in what God is doing through us. Let's pray together as we reflect on that. Father, we, um, we do thank you um, for Paul's example. Obviously, his ministry is so different than ours. He is an apostle, um, and yet I think we can grasp and learn from that. This invitation that each of us have, not only to trust you, not only to give our lives to you, but as we do that, we are also serving. Um, and I pray that as we um, reflect on communion, reflect on Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection, that we might prayerfully reflect on how, Lord, you want to use us in the places where you have us so that we can over and over and over again continue just to boast in what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, I pray that um, as we reflect on Jesus giving his life for us, sacrificing, serving, not, he did not come to be served, but to serve, that we might follow in his way and serve as he served us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.